Once in a while, I hear people ask, why does a good God allow evil and suffering? Perhaps we have asked that question ourselves when we see war taking place in the world or see mass shootings in schools or when a daughter is assaulted. The simple answer is a good God created a good world. But he gave humans free choice to allow for the possibility of love. But our first parents used their first choice, they used their free choice to believe the evil one instead of God. And this made us prone to sin. And this willfulness, contrary to God's will, is a source of conflict, harm, and even death. A more relevant question is not why does a good God allow evil, but considering our proneness to sin, the more relevant question is why are we even surprised by suffering? Maybe it's because in our hearts we know that things are not the way they're supposed to be. But that gap between the way things are in the world and the way things are supposed to be is a source of disappointment and grief. Maybe such grief has been a part of your past. Maybe such difficulty is a part of your present. And into this grief in the world, our Savior speaks words of hope. And we read them in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This scene in Revelation takes place after the great white throne judgment where everything is, everyone is judged. Death has been done away with, it's thrown into the lake of fire. The names have been looked up in the book of life and these are gathered as God's people. And then John sees a new scene and he sees a new heaven and a new earth. The earth we live on has passed away. Peter in his epistle says it will be destroyed by fire, but the earth will be made new. John says that there's no longer any sea. 
In the Hebrew mindset, the sea represented chaos, and in this new earth, there is no chaos because everything operates according to the divine beauty and design. And John also sees a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. He describes it as a bride, and indeed it is the bride of the Lamb. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 9 through 11, an angel says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And elsewhere, the church is described as the bride of Christ. So now the bride is presented to Christ. She's spotless. She's made clean. And the people descend out of heaven onto this new earth. And they live their life on the new heaven and the new earth. And the church is presented as a bride because no woman is as beautiful as on her wedding day. And this bride, made spotless and clean, this bride enthralled with her husband because of his grace, is indeed beautiful. And the people live on the new heaven and a new earth. And it's also where God dwells. Now, if you read a book on systematic theology, heaven as we think of it now is called the intermediate state. Heaven is not our final destination. A new heaven and a new earth is our final and eternal destination. And this is where we will live, on a restored earth, where the presence of God is, is imminent and tangible and surrounds us. Now, Jesus speaks of this scene, and he says, now, the old order of things is going to pass away. And what's the old order? Well, it's the world that's been infected with sin. You know, our first parents were living in paradise. And even though they had paradise... Satan lied to them and told them, you're missing out. He lied and said, if you eat from that tree that God forbid you to eat from, you won't die. Instead, you'll be like God. And Adam and Eve knew they were not divine. They were missing out on being divine. And so they disobeyed God and believed the evil one infected the world with sin. It made them prone to sin and prone to death. And Satan still uses the same lie today, right? Step out of God's will because by staying in God's will, you are missing out. But outside of God's will, the results are still the same. Misery, grief, and destruction. Now, this conflict of wills, ours against God and even people's wills against each other is the source of 
broken relationships and war and betrayal and broken hearts. And furthermore, we're separated from the source of our life, which is God, and so we're prone to aging and sickness and death. We live in this world, this world that's characterized by sin and chaos. And we have tasted it, have we not? With all of our disappointments and our heartaches and our goodbyes to those who have gone and left us because of death. And when the grief becomes too heavy, we begin to despair. And then despair becomes hopelessness. And hopelessness is a terrible place to be. But Jesus speaks into the broken world. He speaks to the people who are his in this world. And he says, behold, I make all things new. All things? Yes, all things. The love that was lost and was denied us. The loved one we lost to death. A common humanity that was supposed to live as brothers, divided by war and race. He will make all things new. All things new, when I think of that, I think the old man will run and dance. The young woman will be able to have endless energy. The teenager won't wish he was dead. And there will be no goodbyes because of death. The body does not get sick. The body does not die. And the grief of separation does not happen. And among people, there is peace because our wills are not in conflict anymore. They're in line with God's. So all of the things that are symptomatic of the old order, the old order we live in, crying, weeping, mourning, grief, all of that is done away with. And that means that there is hope. Suppose you had an old car, and uh, when you tried to start the car in the morning, you'd cross your fingers hoping it would start, because sometimes it wouldn't. And then on the mornings it does start, sometimes it would just stall in the middle of an intersection. And if you tried to take a trip somewhere, oftentimes you would find yourself stranded in the side of the road. And you wish you had a new car, you wish you could drive one that was new, and beautiful and didn't break down anymore, but you can't afford that new car, and so you're stuck with this one. And after frustration and then like worry, because you're not going to get to where you need to be, finally, it just happens so often, you become hopeless. But what if someone said to you, I'm going to give you a new car? All of a sudden, hope would come. And now you're able to put up with your car for a little while longer because you have the hope of a new one. And that hope makes a difference in how you live your life. Hope makes a difference in how we live our lives. 
Now, Jesus speaks these words to the seven churches in Asia. He also speaks them to us. He speaks to these churches and ours that are part of the old order. Now, that early church had to deal with a whole lot more evil and persecution than we have to deal with here in Wichita. But still, the old order plagues us. It infects our relationships, our institutions, our governments, our safety, our security, our, our prosperity, our health and well-being. And the greatest curse of the old order is death. Now Jesus speaks this hope to the church because the church in the world suffers and his saints in the world die. But he also speaks to us because we invest our lives in the old order. And the old order is passing away. Jesus is telling us that there's a new world coming. That we have to have our eyes there. And that the satisfaction we look for In this world, ultimately, that satisfaction is found in him. So don't put all your marbles in the basket called the old order. That world is passing away. Rather, bank your life on the new earth and on the Savior who will give it to you. Now, when the new heaven and the new earth appear, we won't be there living in bodies of flesh that are subject to carnal desires. We won't have Satan deceiving us anymore. We will not be part of a world system that gives us false hopes and makes false promises and distorts God's will. You get rid of the world and the flesh and the devil, and paradise is restored. And the best thing about paradise is that God is present, everywhere, tangible, felt. And his presence and glory is the most satisfying thing in all the universe. Think of the things that are part of the old order. Conflicts, disappointments, heartbreak. Worry, sickness, failing bodies, goodbyes spoken to people who leave this life. Think of a world where none of that happens. This is our hope. And Jesus wanted to make sure that this wasn't just wishful thinking but he wanted us to be absolutely sure of it. And so when he says to John, the old order is passing away and I'm making all things new, he says to John, these words are trustworthy and true, write it down. Now Jesus has said a lot of things, right? We have four gospels and lots of words in Revelation and Jesus speaks all the time and everything he says is trustworthy and true, but this he says? This is trustworthy and true. Write it down. Because you can take this promise to the bank 
And I want you to bank your life on it. When my son Josh was about three years old, we took him to Disneyland. I told him about a week ahead of time, I'm going to take you to Disneyland. And so the whole week he's looking forward to going to Disneyland. And so the day comes, we drive there, we park in a parking structure. And when you come out of the parking structure at the Anaheim Disneyland, uh, you get on a tram that takes you to the park entrance. They thought, oh, wow, the tram ride is great. And then you get off at the entrance, and at the entrance are like Chip and Dale, you know, kind of minor characters, but you know, they're still Disney characters. And oh, wow, this is great. And then you walk a little further, and then you see this big Mickey Mouse that's done in flowers. Here's the picture of it. And he's just standing there with his mouth open, looking at the Mickey in that, that entrance. I bring the tickets, and he's there with his mom, and I say, okay, Josh, it's time to go. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want to go. I go, no, 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 it's time to go. Let's go. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want to go. I want to stay here. And he continues to protest because he wants to stay there. And I realized he's afraid we're going to leave Disneyland. And I said to Josh, Josh, We're not even inside of Disneyland yet. Aren't we like that sometimes? We live according to the world order and the old order, and we think this is as good as it gets, even though it comes with lots of heartache. We even bank our life on the old order and think it will fulfill us and make us happy. We even protest when someone says, you're gonna have to go soon. Or we protest when other people have to leave. But he is making for us a place where all things are new and where we never have to say goodbye. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And we who live on this old one have our struggles and we bring them to you, asking that you would intervene. Sometimes we pray that you will fix things, but we are going to mostly pray that you adjust our hearts. We thank you for your presence and your intervention while we live on this earth. But I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us eyes to see what you have prepared for us.
Give us a taste of your presence and glory even now through the mediation of your Holy Spirit that we might find our delight and satisfaction in you. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.